Welcome to a bonus series on the Life Giver Podcast. Made possible by the USO, these bonus episodes are from a monthly series called You're Leaving Again, where the USO is following Matt and I during our deployment, and we are sharing our authentic story with you. Whether you're going through your own deployment, our geo-batching, on an unaccompanied tour, or maybe getting ready to, this series aims to be the first of its kind. Real life, gritty, but resourceful content aimed to help you keep your marriage and family strong while you're apart. So whether you're a military spouse or a service member, this series is for you. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, or head outside for a walk and listen in as Matt and I share what we are learning apart with you. We're so excited to spend some time with you guys today um, on a topic that is like a huge topic. I mean, definitely a big topic for us in our life and in our relationship, Um, but one that brings um, a lot of anxiety, you know, especially for military couples, it can bring a lot of anxiety of um, what does it look like to raise amazing military kids and what does it look like to launch them well? Can you launch them well? Um, And in full transparency, our kids are 13 and 16. And, um, this is our third, um, official deployment. We've gone through other, uh, military separations as well. So we are really excited to spend some time with you guys and, you know, in, pre- in preparing for today, Matt and I spent some time talking about like, what would we cover? And when you registered, you should have gotten a listening guide that we created for you guys. And I'm going to not, um, go through that listening guide in detail today. It's got some great tips and um, tips for every stage of whatever your kids' ages are. Um, But you guys submitted such wonderful questions in preparation for today's talk that we just decided we were going to spend most of our time talking about um, your questions and and taking your questions. So um, I think to start off, Matt, why don't you just maybe just very quickly introduce us a little bit more and um, update everybody on where we're at. I don't even know what month deployment we're on now. Two? Yeah, we're just starting the third month. Okay, it's all going together. So, all coming together. So, um, like Corey said, this is our third deployment. Hey, my name is Matt Weathers. I'm a chaplain in the United States Army. And everything that I say will be uh, my own opinion and is not a reflection of the Department of Defense, the United States military, the United States Army, my unit, or anybody else other than me and probably my wife. But she could probably refute some of the things that I would say too, so I don't even speak for her. So that much being said, uh, this is our third deployment. Uh, Our first two were um, both to Afghanistan a long, long time ago. And uh, our kids were, gosh, like two and five. And then they were four and seven at those deployments. So they were really young. And uh, they were, it was right after we came into the military. So um, right off the bat, we were uh, getting our feet wet and getting, um, uh, getting used to the military life and deployment. We were trying to figure it out for our marriage and also trying to figure it out for our kids as well. And, uh, and a funny note, um, and we'll talk about this question later. Somebody asked about the journal, but I'd gone back over the last about month here, gone back and pulled a lot of old emails and put them into another journal entry. So I could just look back and see what we talked about and what our experiences was on that were 
uh, on that deployment. And uh, one of the things that I saw a lot of were little videos that I made for the boys. So it was interesting to see how far we've come, but also how intentional that we've focused on being. And we understand that being intentional is hard. It's going to take energy. Uh, it's going to take compromise. It's going to take being graceful with yourself and with your spouse um, as you go through it. So that's us, I guess, in a nutshell. Hello, I'm in a nutshell. I don't know what I mean. So. <laughs> now, it's, I mean, this is such a huge topic. Um, and we're not here to kind of tell you, you know, give you all the right answers. We're coming here with a humble heart um, saying that we're mm-hmm. in the thick of it and learning ourselves. Um, but there are some definite things we'd love to share that we felt like we did right. And there's some things that we could have done better and still things that we're learning today that we're going to be authentic about here. Um, So we love to see you guys interact, but the military lifestyle, regardless of what branch you're in, um, is definitely challenging and adds um, complexity to your relationship and to parenting and Mm -hmm. how you parent. And so I I had a conversation with somebody um, about a week ago about whether or not, and I know there's probably a lot of opinions on this, but whether or not a military marriage is different um, from a civilian marriage. And my argument is we just have a different Mm -hmm. set of challenges that we have to work through, especially when you have to spend time apart from each other and figure out how to work Mm -hmm. together as a team for long durations apart. And of course, the civilian community, there are people that travel for their jobs and they, you know, we have a lot of that, um, those that retire out of the military and then go back in as contractors and their lifestyles feels very much the same as when they were in. So there's definitely a lot of similarities, but for for today, we just want to normalize the fact that this is a difficult lifestyle and it is challenging Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's okay for you to struggle with it a little bit. Um, and sometimes okay to struggle with it a lot. So, um, we would love to just give a very brief update. Um, if you've been watching the series, this is a monthly series. The USO is following us, um, during this deployment. And we kind of just decided we were going to be authentic with our journey because we needed content. I know I need content that covers like the ups and downs of spending that time apart as a couple and, um, and some of the successes and also some of the lessons learned. I know I wouldn't be where I am today if there was not amazing people who had shared lessons learned and mentored me through the process. And so the USO has been following us since October where we were doing these topical monthly um, webinars as we go through the deployment. So October was on um, the tension before the deployment. And you guys know there's always this big argument and all this tension before um, you rip the Band-Aid. November, we talked about ripping the Band-Aid and what it's like to actually say goodbye and kind of get you know mission-minded and set those goals for yourself and all the emotions that come with that. December, we of course couldn't go through December without not only checking in on how we were doing and some of the new goals that we were trying to establish for ourselves, but also talking about um, how do you do holidays apart? And it's not just about Christmas. It could be about any holiday birthday, um, religious holiday, anything like that. So we covered that in December. And so we just knew parenting was a huge topic and we wanted to make sure we addressed that with you guys. So after today, this is being recorded. After today, I will update that listening guide that you guys um, have access to. And I mean, it will be put on the dashboard where you can access all those other webinars that we've done already and also register for new ones. I will tell you, I'll remind you this at the end in February, we're going to be talking about intimacy. um, And then we have other ones coming up on finance because finance can definitely be an issue for a lot of couples. 
Um, we're also going to talk about betrayal. That is a big topic that comes up a lot. Um, I am a military um, and first responder clinical counselor, so I do a lot of marriage therapy, and that's definitely something I see coming into um, counseling in addition to finances and communication and all that. So we just knew that it, it's a big topic. So we definitely wanted to address some of the bigger topics that couples um, struggle with. So that's what the series is. Welcome. Um, I think, Matt, would you mind just kind of telling everybody kind of how we've been doing since last month and uh, maybe specifically what kinds of things that we were trying to do with the kids for this deployment and some of the things that we've learned? Okay. So for this deployment, um, we obviously have better connectivity than we had for the first two, um, mainly because, I mean, it's 10 years later and iPhones actually exist. Um, but uh, also, you know, we have Wi-Fi where we're at. Uh, originally, since the boys are 13 and 16, about, uh, gosh, when was that? 2015, 2016? Um, I used to make fun of the boys for playing Minecraft. I was like, you guys, you know, what are you going to do with your lives? You're just going to sit around and play video games. And then um, I had to go through shoulder surgery and then re-injured that shoulder about two weeks later. And then my wife was like, you are going to sit down. She actually knife handed me. You were going <laughs> to sit down and not move that shoulder. Double knife hands. And so I sat down, got involved. And so the boys and I began to create this Minecraft world back then and just had a blast. And it's kind of been our thing ever since then is to create little Minecraft worlds, go in and explore and have fun and work together. And um, so the intent was on this deployment that I would get connected out here, uh, go over to the MWR and, uh, and play with them. And uh, up to this point, we haven't been able to do that. And so we're still trying to figure out how we're gonna make that happen. Um, because that was the intent for us to be able to have that level of connection. We realized that, you know, we're probably in the 10% of people who are deployed. And, um, you know, those are kind of first world problems on deployment that I can't, you know, go over and play video games in MWR. But because of the uh, the amenities that we had, that was that was our intent. And so what we've had to do is really scale that back. So really what we're doing is we're just playing really long games of Scrabble with one another on our devices. Um, which is interesting because I finally came clean after about three games and told the boys that I was using Scrabble cheat on Google. And uh, that's how I was coming up with the big words and beating them. And so then they upped their game. And so now it's, it's really fun to be able to do that. Um, our boys uh, with coronavirus had been on virtual school. And so up to last Friday, they'd been home during the day. And because of the time difference between where I'm at and where they are, um, I was able to check in with them throughout the day, but now that they're at school, uh, the only time I could probably check in with them is uh, before they leave for, for school in the morning um, or drop little notes to them and uh, text during the day, distract them so the teacher yanks their device away. Um, so uh, we're trying to make it work. We're having to be really creative with it. But one of the things that I found um, important for parenting um, both the boys is to continually pour life into the person that's actually doing heavy lifting over there. So continually investing in Corey. So if I'm not able to do that really good one-on-one -on -one directive time, the best thing I can do right now as a parent is to make sure she has uh, everything she needs and a lot of the things she wants and some stuff that she know that I know she needs, but she doesn't say she wants, like that huge whiteboard that I bought for you about two weeks ago. So... <laughs> That's the strategy right now. <laughs> he has definitely um, enjoyed, 
gifting us with um, ways of trying to make our life easier around here. Um, for instance, I'm just curious, anybody in the chat thread, have you tried the HelloFresh boxes or maybe you've tried the Blue Apron? That's the thing that we tried this week. He was like, you know what? I'm going to send these boxes. Just try them. We can cancel it if we need to. But it's two dinners that you don't have to figure out and go get ingredients for. And just as kind of trying to help with that strategy of um trish has tried it yeah um that just kind of trying to help with the strategy and like reduce the level of um, responsibility the mm -hmm. load here at the house and so um i ha i mean the it was di it was delicious last night i will say that um but it it, it was i had pros and cons on it like it was like work to do it, but I sure did love the fact that all the ingredients are right there. And that was great. Um, so well, the reason we got that was because Jack, you know what? Huh? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, the reason we got that was because, um, usually if we're standing next to one another, I just kind of nudge Corey. So it's real hard to nudge you from thousands of kilometers away. Um, <laughs> this is what it is. Um, but as our, uh, our 13 year old, Jack decided he wanted to make dinner and he has started wanting to become like master chef baker. And, you know, there's only so much you really need bread in the house or sweet breads, especially. So I figured, you know, with HelloFresh, he can just grab the ingredients. He can actually start practicing and we can start setting them on the path towards, you know, self-sustaining. So we can just walk away for weeks on end and they can feed themselves. <laughs> Isn't that the goal of parenting? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to leave now and I'll see you in a month. <laughs> Do not neglect your children. We did not say that. Um, no, no, but that's exactly what the strategy was. It was um, how do we use this as an opportunity with Matt being gone um, and the fact that we do need to cook dinner in this house as an opportunity to take the load off of me just a little bit, um, but also teaching them that life skill. And it does require, obviously, my supervision and parenting through that. Um, but on the other side, I'm not having to think and go and get ingredients, which is what the conversation was turning into. If you guys want to cook dinner on Tuesday night, like let me know. And then I need to go to the grocery store. And now it's like two hours of my evening trying to get that prepared. So um, so that's a couple of strategies that we have been working on. And we're going to um, address some as we go through your questions. Um, I will definitely say I've I've now parented um, during a deployment during COVID in both ways where we had the boys home 24-7, um, where we were really isolating there for a little while. And now um, we made a mental health decision, really, for them to go back to school. Their grades were slipping a little bit and they were starting to struggle, um, which is really hard for especially high school. And I would imagine for the really young ones, too, to really grasp the information that they needed to. And so we made that decision for them to go back to school, um, which does change a lot of especially time, like Matt was saying, and being able to connect with their dad um, because of their schedule, um, because for sure our middle schooler will get his phone taken away if he responds to a text during the day. So um, so here's the thing. Um, we're going to definitely unpack a little bit more how we're doing and what we're doing in this deployment, as well as what we've done in other deployments um, and what we've learned as we go through your questions. But we're going to dive into some of the questions that you guys 
guys submitted because they were so good and there's so much information that we could really have fun with on this that we want to just jump in. So of course, if you have questions that you did not submit or you're just now thinking, please go ahead and put them in the chat or in the Q&A um, and we will definitely make sure we try to address them. Like we said, we're trying to jump into this a little bit more um, rather than just kind of talking at you um, or just kind of talking to each other necessarily and really getting to the meat of it. Okay, so Matt, the first question that we got was, yeah. how, how do you go from dual to single parenting since he's gone and I'm the disciplinarian and I'm tired of always feeling like the bad guy? So this is obviously a spouse. You know, it's before deployment. You guys are parenting as a team or kind of doing it together. And then he leaves. I know we're going to there's a lot of stereotyping. I know we have female service members that are going too, but um, service member goes and then you feel um, I'll definitely answer this, but I'm going to let you go first, Matt, if you want to, um, you suddenly feel like you're disciplining all the time and you're feeling like you're starting to feel like you're becoming the bad guy. Do you want to go or you want me to go? Why don't you go first? Because you've got more experience at that. I mean, I've got that week where you were gone, but I don't yeah, really think and, I can compete. Yeah. And, um, he's referencing the week that I got to go overseas with the secretary of defense, where it was a really interesting role reversal. And so there was a lot of things that you did get to experience. And, um, and so, you know, maybe even you sharing what that experience was like for you to take mm -hmm. them out to eat after you took them to the movie was, I think a really powerful moment. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, okay. So here's what I would say about this. Um, I won't go into this in detail because I could do a whole webinar on Maslow's ladder, but um, Maslow has what's called a hierarchy of need. And he basically says we all have needs and we are all striving for a sense of peace and purpose in our life and knowing who we are and what we're talented and created to do in this world. However, there are needs that we have to fulfill before we can ever start to think about that. So in other words, um, we have the basic needs of food, shelter, sleep. Um, and, and if we, don't have that, if we don't have a roof over our heads or if we're like hangry, right? We're not thinking about our ultimate purpose in life. No, we're just thinking about the fact that we need a sandwich, which by the way, for those of you who have toddlers, um, it's something for you to think about, right? Sometimes um, I had, I have two boys, one in particular as a toddler um, really gave me a lot of the gray hair that I have right now because I think he was hangry all the time. Um, but, um, the, the deal of it is here that when you go through a separation like this, the next ladder, the next need, if all of your basic needs are met, food, shelter, you know, water, food, all, all that's like set. The next thing that Maslow says we really desperately need in our life is routine and structure and security and safety and feeling like we kind of have a handle on things. Right. And so I think the first thing here is realizing that um, a deployment or a military separation like this disrupts the system. The system is disrupted. The structure, the routine, all of that is disrupted. And so um, you now are in a position as a parent to kind of feel like you got to navigate. How do I both be um, the one that's offering grace and comfort and nurturing? Um, that's maybe the, the good guy, but also having to discipline. And when you don't have somebody to share that with, Matt and I are huge fans in parenting of tag teaming. We actually say that all the time, like tag, you're it. Like I'm starting to build in my frustration. And so you better take it and me take a time out. When you can't do that very easily, it does feel like you're starting to become the bad guy all the time. And so I think I just want to start off and say that sometimes for me, I have to kind of pull back and remind myself whenever 
Um, and this actually, I, I kind of came up with this in the very first deployment when they were really small. I would notice that when things started to get chaotic, which is usually when I would get irritable and then start like really like hammering down and disciplining everybody and then getting frustrated that I'm just, I feel like I'm mad all the time and irritable all the time and disciplining all the time. I, I learned to, in those moments, kind of pause and go, all right, this is chaotic. Like I feel chaotic. Mm. The home feels chaotic. They probably feel like things are chaotic and it's not the order and structure that I really want and need it to be because the order and structure I'm wanting it to be needs to have some element of peace and opportunities for me to be and feel like I'm being a good guy and not feeling like I'm coming down on them all the time. And so, um, those are opportunities in my mind. I still use that even now with them as teenagers. Whenever I feel like things are chaotic or getting out of order, there's a natural human desire to want to order it. And so I just want to um, just encourage whoever asked that question or whoever's been in the in that place before, that if you feel like you're always um, the bad guy, just kind of pause and kind of pull back and go, what can I, what kind of order and routine and structure, not in a rigid way, but just kind of basic order can I bring into my life? Maybe it's um, the chore charts need to change, right? Like if I'm, if, if it's, that I'm hounding you all the time because you're not on top of tasks. Well, maybe they don't understand those tasks and we need a better chore chart, right? It's maybe just time to level up just a little bit. Or I know for this deployment, even for teenagers, um, I was getting a lot of bad attitudes in the beginning. And so I sat down with them and the order was me sitting down with them and saying, you know what? I think what I need to do is put out in front of you guys, here are my expectations. Here's what I think I need from you that would bring some order and peace into our home and how you can help me with that. And as long as you understand that, then that lowers my frustration level and I'm going to be a whole lot nicer of a mom. And that was my way of kind of creating order for a teenage level. And I think the last thing I would just say um, is you know, really, if your kids are really young, deployment and times when you're solo parenting, it's really, 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 really important to pick your battles because you could um, die on a million hills um, in a day. And um, I think that um, this is a time of grace and a time to be graceful with everybody. And that includes being graceful with yourself and that maybe some things aren't worth pointing out or disciplining on. And, um, it can really start to feel like a, like a, a expectation of perfection on yourself and on your kids. And so maybe just picking those battles will really help as well. Matt, anything you want to add to that? Yeah. So I was just thinking as you were talking, and this may be a little conceptual. So tell me if it's too conceptual and not pragmatic enough and applicable. But um, we always talk about, you know, being the good parent or the, my, why do you make me the bad guy? Why do you, why do you have to be the good guy? Um, perhaps for single parenting, you don't need to be, you know, good or bad cop or bad person, bad guy, bad parent, whatever. And, and we just reframe it into being that we're just raising kids. And really there's just, there's bumpers and there's nudging. Um, and so each day there may be more forceful nudging or there may be more celebrations. There may be more laughter or one day there may be more uh, behavior corrections that are going on there. Um, but if you if you stop with the, you know, the good versus bad, um, then you won't be sitting there kind of keeping this tally in your head of what it is that you're doing. Did I do enough good or did I do enough bad? Was I was I too harsh? 
And the other thing to reframe is, is, um, and Corey, you did a really great job with your PDF. Um, and then, uh, is, is being mindful that children react to uh, a loss of control in their environment in different ways than adults do, because they don't have that kind of ability to think abstractly according to a timeline. So you may be sitting there going, hey, we've come through, you know, 65 days of deployment and we have 100 days left and I can at least conceptualize where I am in that distance, right? Well, they're just in that one moment, especially if they're very young. And that one moment, they could be like, everything's great and everything's fine. And in the next moment, it's not because then I just realized, you know, mom or dad isn't home. And so now what am I going to do? And now I'm out of control and I'm missing that. So they can go from you know, being fine one moment to not being fine the next moment, because they don't really have a concept of time or sequence, you know? And so just being um, one of the most powerful things that I ever had when I was, when we were living in Fort Carson was I came home and both the boys were playing pirates, right? And they were on that bed. You remember that bed we got from Aunt Bobby and they were on the bed and they were playing pirates um, from Veggie Tales. And, uh, it, it was the most formative moment in for me as a parent of I joined them where they were at, you know, rather than be like, hey, dad just walked in and now let's play this thing that dad wants to play. You know, let's go play uh, Hot Wheels, you know, because that's why I had kids so that I could buy toys that I didn't get for myself. Um, so let's go play Hot Wheels. But uh, it actually meant the world for me to enter into their world and get wrapped up in what it was and what it was that they were going on. So um, sometimes behavior modification um, may, doesn't have to look like disciplining. So if you're just trying to modify behavior, think, think very creatively about how you can redirect that energy. If that's negative energy, you know, I mean, that could be squishing Play-Doh out, you know, and very, you know, um, very tactile, very uh, kinesthetic, very hands-on, type motion to get that negative energy out or to join them and go, you know what? I'm feeling that same thing too. You know, I'm tired too. And I'm, I'm ready for this to be over too, you know? Um, and so really it's like, it's almost like a play therapy type mode of joining them where they're at so they can express uh, what it is that they're feeling because they don't have all the words. They don't have all, all the concepts. And so they may just be acting out because they are completely out of control of the environment. Whereas the, I would say the average military spouse um, has, does probably sometimes an altogether too good job of going, nope, I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. Everything is fine. We're all just fine. <laughs> but I, you know, it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. But I, you know, can I just say, I think that we do that sometimes because... Um, we, we don't give ourselves an alternative option to not be fine. Like, because I yep. think if I say I'm not fine, like you've asked me that before, like, how are you really doing knowing like tears were right under the surface, you know? And I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and I, I think it's because at the end of the day, I still have to figure out what to do for myself. You know, at least that's what I was saying in my head when really in those conversations, what you helped me do once I kind of admitted that I really wasn't fine, um, was you really ended up helping me strategize and here's what we could do. And why don't you sit down with them and restructure the chore chart? Or why don't you ask for their help? Or, you know, and the boys are old enough. There was several times even already where you sat down with them 
and cast vision. Go ahead. You cannot strategize, not you, but anyone. You cannot strategize until you deal with the feeling first. As a human, you you have to first deal with the feeling before you can have, and this goes back to kind of Maslow's ladder, you have to deal with that gut level visceral thing that's going on inside, acknowledge it, be honest with it, and own it before you can have some upper level thought. Because if you attempt to have this upper level thought or strategy, it will always be pulled one way or another by that feeling, by that anchor. So deal with a feeling first, and then all of a sudden go to the upper level thought. In other words, um, what he's saying is the classic, uh, I mean, that definitely applies to children too, but I mean, it applies to the classic marriage struggle of if you need your spouse to just listen to what you're feeling and not go into solution mode, then you need to tell them that. Like, I really just need you to listen and let me just get something out. And then I can go there with you um, into solution mode. Um, But right now I just need to be able to say, I feel out of control or I feel alone or I feel overwhelmed or whatever Mm -hmm. that, um, whatever that state is. Um, and so just being able to, and it's valuing the fact that your helpmate and your spouse wants to help and that solutions are good and solutions and strategies Mm -hmm. are helpful when you are overwhelmed and it's seeing that value for what it is. But it's just communicating again to your spouse the order in which you can best receive it. So um, that was a great point, Matt. Okay, so I'm going to jump to this one, um, which is because I think that this could actually build out the rest of how we answer some of the other questions, which is the best way to work as a team with different views on parenting. When you have different parenting styles, yeah, why don't you start? Because there's definitely a lot of really great questions in here that are kind of spouse, you know, at home specific. So I wanted to start with this one about, you know, when you have different views on parenting styles, um, how do you work together as a team? So um, I had to, when when I originally saw this question, I had to slow my thinking rather than go give like solution, you know, um, you know, I just saw some of the some of the the chat about you know, um, I do believe that men tend to constantly be in solution focused mode, um, just because you're like, all right, let's get at it, let's let's make it happen. But I, I think part of that is the inability to sit in the discomfort. And it took me, you know, it took me like actually going and getting at a master's to be able to sit in the discomfort of, of uh, this somebody else's or even in my own discomfort. Um, so. That, that much being said, um, it doesn't I think come easy for everybody is what you're saying. Oh, no, 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 no. And it's especially, especially for men, it does not come easy to sit in the discomfort to recognize and diagnose the feeling. Um, and even when I've been in a counseling session with, with other males, um, when I, when I slow them down and acknowledge a feeling, you almost see that aha moment where they're like, wow, yeah, that's there. I just didn't know what to do with it. That much being said, over to the parenting topic. Um, I think that we parent really out of two things, and I'll say uh, values and our experiences. So if there is a difference in parenting style, you need to like pause, take a time out, and really look at and what your values are. Be able to script those out and understand why they're values to you. Why do they matter? So it's not just about what it is that we're doing that's clashing. Um, there, there could be either competing values in that moment, 
or there could be values that align, but just a competition between the way that they are expressed. Uh, so for instance, like, you know, just for Corey and I, um, if the boys get bored, I'll probably like, I don't know, buy a ping pong table and have it shipped to them because they don't need to be playing video games all day, right? And so I have a value of, let's get the kids engaged. You know, I know Corey likes to play ping pong, ping pong table bought, ready? So Corey has a value of saving money and investing and not making rash, impulsive Amazon prime decisions. So <laughs> God sent me to her um, to, to mess with that a little bit. But uh, so there are compete, there's, there's, you know, Corey feels that way uh, and parents that way out of a love for our family. And I parent that way out of a love for our family. So it's, it's the same value. It's just expressed in different ways. And so you've got to like slow down. He just bought a movie projector. Why not? <laughs> Who wouldn't want a movie projector? They're phenomenal. They're great. Yeah. As a chaplain, I can attest movie projectors are the best. Um, so the other part of it is, is experience. And so Corey, why don't you talk about um, the, yeah, sorry. I just, I got, I got to take his side. All right. So um why don't you talk about the way I think that experience plays into the differences in parenting and why we need to be aware uh, of our experiences and our the imprinting that happened? Because we all have those moments where, as a kid, you go, I am definitely doing that because when my parent did that, it yeah. made all the difference. Or I'm definitely not doing that. Oh. So why don't you... Touch on oh, that. For sure. Yeah, for sure. We all pay, we all get our ideas of what kind of parent we want to be based off of what we've seen of parenting, which comes from our parents, right? So whether you picked up on things like I'm definitely not going to do that, or I definitely want to do that over there because it was meaningful mm -hmm. to me, we kind of start with that beginning imprinting. And so mm -hmm. I'll just, I mean, I'll give you an example. Um my parents divorced when I was seven. So that definitely tells you why probably I'm a, not probably, but why I'm a marriage counselor, right? It definitely solidified and it imprinted for me. Like, how can I save relationships and save families so that somebody else doesn't have to go through what I went through as a kid, but because my parents had divorced and I was going back and forth from mom's house to dad's house. Um, when I was at my mom's house, my mom would get up early in the morning. She'd have to go to work. And then I would um, usually have a school lunch because she would have already left for work and I'd have to get myself to the bus. And that was my experience in the mornings. But when I would go to my dad's house, he was an Air Force Reserves pilot. So when he was home, he was home. But when he was gone, I was back at my mom's house. Right. So if he was home, he was there in the morning to not only take me to school on these long drives to school we talk and listen to NPR which is probably why I like NPR. Right. Um, and I, and, but like, there was like a quality time that was spent there. Um, but he also would make my lunch for me and the lunches were amazing. Like they were like the big sandwiches with like too much of whatever in the middle. Right. And then it would have, and it would always have a piece of candy in it. And it always have like the little Debbie snacks because my mom wouldn't buy those. Right. And so it would be like the most amazing lunch. And I'd sit at the lunch table and everybody wanted my lunch. Right. And I just felt loved and I felt seen because my dad had taken the time to make these lunches. Well, now that I'm a parent from the very beginning of having kids, I could not wait to make lunches for my kids 
kids, because that in my mind was an imprinting of love and parenting, right? It's a small example. And so even now when my kids are 13 and 17, even this morning, I was like, do you guys need help with lunches? Do you want any help with lunches? And one of them's like, no, I want a school lunch. And the other one's like, no, I already made it. And I'm like, are you sure? You sure there's nothing I can add to your lunch? Did you put an orange in there? Like (laughs) it's just an imprinting that happens in me. And so we have to pay attention to the imprinting and it, it really starts to communicate your why that's so important to you. Why that different thing, the way that you want to parent. Perhaps you grew up in a very loud home and maybe it wasn't necessarily conflict loud. Maybe it was just loud and opinionated um, in your home. And Mm -hmm. so parenting and dealing with discipline is a very loud thing that feels very comfortable for you. But if you were brought up in a home that was really quiet and everybody kind of kept those emotions to themselves, that loud parenting style can feel really abrupt, right? And wrong, but it may not necessarily be wrong if it's not actually destructive. And so you have to talk as a couple about where are those beginning imprinting? Where's the beginning imprinting happening mm-hmm. and why? What's associated with it? What are the values associated with it? So I'll finish this last one on parenting styles and parenting as a team with this. Um, it took Matt and I, you know, we've been married almost 22 years now and we're not, we don't have this perfected at all, but I'll tell you one of the things that has really, really helped us is seeing not only those experiences and really having conversations around those experiences and understanding like, all right, time out. Like, why is this, why are you so passionate about this moment and, and dealing with the kids in this way? Because it doesn't match kind of what I'm feeling. And so this is a side conversation, by the way, not in front of the kids. Right. But like, you are like way passionate about that. So please help me understand where you're coming from and having conversations about that. But I think what also helped us is to learn and realize that we both were coming to the parenting table with a set of strengths and trying to do the best that we could. We were both not trying to sabotage each other. Um, We're not trying to mess up the situation or be destructive. We actually are both trying. We just are speaking different languages. And so I I will say in the military culture, this is going to be a little bit of a stereotype, but what I see is most women, which are a majority of most spouses that are at home tend to be very high in, um, in being empathic and really feeling all of the emotions of P- of the kids and making decisions based off of those emotions. Like you're having a meltdown because there's something you're feeling and I need to understand what you're feeling in order to address that and, and temper your temper. Right. Whereas um, men typically are strategic and they are logical in approach, which is not the wrong approach. It's just a different one. So once I realized that number one, we're both trying here, we both have something to offer and add to the situation. Um, then it became about how do Matt and I work and do this dance where it's not all the time, like one way is the right way. Um, and that sometimes both of us are right. And then there's other times that one needs to take the lead. And then another time it's a better situation where the other one needs to take the lead and learning to value each other and what you're bringing to the table in different styles worked far more. So Matt, anything you want to add to that? Yeah. And we mentioned this back in December, but it also ties in. So I remember uh, flipping the camera on and seeing you at Thanksgiving, all ready to go and about to have a meltdown because of what the boys were doing. And in that moment, I had to like figure out how to parent them through that moment so that, you know, you didn't like throw a turkey at them. Um, And what 
was helpful was for me to know what your childhood imprinting was from being parented and raised within your family and then to be able to explain that to the boys. So like level one is you got to know yourself. Absolutely. And you have to be able to articulate that. And level two, I would say, is knowing your spouse and being able to articulate um, and and have your spouse's back, not to be like, well, your mom's like that because, you know, blah, blah, blah. But have your spouse's back and to go, hey, what you don't understand is this is what it's like for her, the way she grew up, or this is what he went through growing up. And that's why he's parenting this way. And I actually support the way that they're parenting, or I support the way that they're trying. So it's not just a matter of we're trying to figure out like how to be the best parent. It's also having our spouse's back when there is something that is of like great value and concern to them that you're going to go, I may not understand that to the depth that you do or feel that that um, strongly about it, but I'm going to have your back in it and present a united front. And I'm going to go explain it to the kids, even when you're not able to do it for yourself. Well, and um, not to go too deep on this, um, but just to kind of share, I had to do, I did this recently with the boys too, where I was explaining, you know, um, cause they look up to you so much, Matt, the boys do obviously on um, sons to father. Not anymore. So, they're so tall. <laughs> but I mean, I had to explain to them that, you know, you are passionate and, um, and you're a go-getter and you, one of the things I love about you is you are, you never quit and you persevere through anything. Like you see obstacles in front of you and you are like, I am going to push through that and I'm going to see what I learn on the other side. And, and that's instinctual in all of us, you know, it's, and it's definitely something, it's a quality that all of us want to have. And it's about being a self-starter and being self-motivated But, um, you know, I had to explain to our 16 year old who puts way too much pressure on himself. He really is that type A type of kid. He puts a lot of pressure on himself. And I had to explain to him um, that, you know, for Matt, Matt had his hip rebuilt when he was eight years old and Matt had to learn how to walk again at eight, you know, and they told him he would never be able to run or jump or play sports. And he was determined that he was going to prove everybody wrong, that he was going to have an amazing childhood. And, and by him digging that deep at such a young age, it created a character and a different kind of imprinting within him that I don't even know if I can fully grasp because it was something that was instilled in him from such a young age. But it's something that's such a motivation for the rest of us. Um, But it's something that we're all trying to, I think, sometimes catch up to because Matt learned that from such a young age. So being able to champion your spouse and go, this is why Mm -hmm. your, your dad is motivated the way that he is. And and why he encourages you the way that he does and asks you to dig deep, right? Because it's a gift that he's giving to you as a, as a father from what he's learned. And so it's just an example of, um, you know, we talk all the time, Matt and I do, when we talk to couples about praising your spouse in private and having that integrity and how you think on your spouse and how you talk about your spouse to in your mind, Um, but also in public. And that includes your kids. How are you talking about your spouse around your children, around your friends? Um, And that makes a huge difference. So I do want to go to this question because it is a really great question. It is, how do you spend individual time or alone time with each child as a single parent? We'll say a solo parent, right? Mm -hmm. When you have um, this, this spouse has four of them. So putting them to bed takes forever. So 
I'm going to say that, um, Again, when you are solo parenting, it is a huge time for grace and it is a huge time for, I'm constantly every day right now, even lowering my own expectations for myself. I mean, it's good for me to have a goal for the day and here's what I'd like to accomplish and here's how I'd like to um, spend time with the kids and who's who I'd like to be for the kids today. Um, I definitely don't achieve that goal every day. Um, But I think it's about like asking myself, is that something that I can actually accomplish? without burning myself out. And mm-hmm. so I would just say, cause this is a great question that I, I put this um, pressure on myself as well. It is wonderful and good for you to spend alone time with each of your kids when you can. Um, but I'm going to just say, um, give mm-hmm. yourself a little bit more grace and maybe during the deployment is not when we put um, all that pressure to make sure we're doing it every single day. And that bedtime is that time to do it mm-hmm. because I know what bedtime looks like, especially when the kids are young. And by that point, I'll just be honest. I'm like, let's get you to bed so that I can shut my brain off for the rest of the day and actually take care of myself. And so trying to put that stress on yourself to be like the most amazing parent at that time of day is going to be extra challenging. And so I'm just going to encourage you, and this is even the counselor and me talking, um, to maybe stretch that out a little bit and test it for a week or two. And you can always change it if you want to, but maybe for the next week or two, what if you had, um, you know, you have, you spend one-on-one time with one child a night, right? And so one child a night gets that extra time. Everybody else goes to bed. But tomorrow night is the other kid's chance, right? But that gives you this particular spouse four nights a week where you're spending one-on-one time with one child. And and what is that? Three days where everybody just goes to bed. (laughs) Everybody just goes to bed and you have put in that quality time with them during the week. And here's the thing. They're not going to remember. Please hear me say this because I have to say it in every webinar on parenting I ever do. They are not going to remember each daily moment that you spent time with them. It's going to be a blur, especially the young, young children. Okay. They're going to walk away with the big trips that you took or the big birthday they had. And they might remember in general that you read to them that night, right? Or that mom read to me during the deployment. I remember it was part of our routine that we read a book before bed, but they may not necessarily remember if they had that individualized time every single night. Okay. So there are lots of ways that we can express love and it doesn't have to be really intense every day time. And so now that my kids are teenagers, they don't want to spend as much time with me (laughs) as they used to. And so there's times when I'm trying to spend that one-on-one time and they're like, eh, I'm good. Right. Or I have to do what Matt said, which is step into their world. And on a Saturday, sit down and actually play video games with the both of them. And that's what they felt was um, me investing time one-on-one with them was shared time, not looking at each other, doing something intentional and actually just shared. So such a great question. Great question. Okay. So I was going to say about the bedtime, Mm -hmm. if you got a sec. Yeah, please. uh, um, Be as, you know, Corey had, I actually had that idea and thought about it. So uh, great minds think alike. I think that's a great idea. Another idea is, you know, if, if you want to make sure that every child feels special is the like, like, you know, four different nights each week, all, you know, all four kids, all three other children and you put one child to bed and then you kind of go down the line and you, and then you just kind of mix it up as to, 
who is putting to bed first um, so that you make it really a family thing, um, that it doesn't have to be this individual one-on-one. You can actually form a really tight, close-knit family bond by bringing everybody together for bedtime and, you know, put a kid to bed and then go down the line and put them all to bed. Well, really and- kind of, I guess on the age of the children. Yeah. yeah. And here's another way to stretch this out, guys, is um, you could, you know, I learned, especially when my kids were young, we did game night once a week, not game night every night, mm-hmm. game night once a week. And it was like Thursday night. And sometimes we would sit down and actually play a game. And sometimes it was going to the, which I know we can't do during COVID as easily, but sometimes I would take them to the bowling alley on the installation, right? And that was game night, which was an easier, less like emotionally and socially involved for me. Like I can sit in a chair and watch you roll a ball, right? But it's still game night to them, right? But it was once a week and you could take um, all four kids that one time a week, the kids take turns choosing whatever game that they want to do. And so it was their night that you chose their idea. It still feels like that individualized attention. Or maybe you do that with dinner. Like every Thursday night, we're going to get takeout from which restaurant would you like? And it's that individualized attention. So I think we just need to remember like getting that individual attention looks in lots of different ways and just kind of give yourself like uh, reduce the pressure just a little bit. Okay. Okay. Um, I feel like a lot of the questions that we've gotten have uh, brought up the topic of resentment. And so I'd like for us to kind of get into that a little bit. So this is a big question. How can you handle resentment of your deployed spouse when you have everything to do at home and are burning out? So just to start off, Matt and I have definitely had conversations in the last two months about how different our worlds are. Um, And we've even had conversations, open conversations about um, how I was stressing myself out that I was trying to show Matt that I was intentional and trying to be intentional towards him, you know, but his schedule is is different than my schedule is. Um, This is also the first time I'm going through deployment with a full-time job. And so um, it's just a different deployment. And so it was definitely something that you and I needed to talk through, Matt, on being able for me to be honest and go, um, I have so much on my plate and I feel like you have less on your plate. And I feel like I can't bring that same quality to you that you're bringing to me. Um, and I wasn't necessarily, or I'm not necessarily resentful that you have more free time than I do. Um, but there's definitely times when I find myself more tired by the end of the night, I'm like, Oh, Like, I don't know if Matt's this tired, but this is hard. This is really hard. Even with teenagers, I thought it was going to be a little bit easier, but it's still, it's just different. It's still hard. And so, um, I, I just want to start off by saying I can understand and relate to that. Um, here is my answer. And then Matt, if you have something that you want to respond to, please, please do, um, But I just want to say, you know, when I read that question, number one, resentment, I'm so glad you guys are actually being honest and and saying these things out loud because our spouse community is definitely dealing with a lot of resentment and they often don't know where to put it and they don't know where, where to talk about it. And it feels like we're being negative and complaining, but it's, it's an underlying struggle that the spouse community is having in general. And it's this, this anger and exhaustion and it's not knowing where to put that anger and you don't want to take it out on your spouse and you can't take it to the military and you don't want to leak out on your kids. And so you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do with it. And so here's, here's what I try to do. 
here's what I try to do. Um, when I find myself almost every night in a place of burnout, um, or irritability or just definitely exhaustion. And I'm, I, and it's a mixture of things. It's not just the kids. It's me trying harder this time to make sure I take care of myself too. And I have found that even like trying to, um, make sure I have that time for myself in, in the calendar for the day is it still requires effort and energy to make sure I try to get a workout in. It takes effort, you know, to take care of myself takes effort to, to make dinner takes effort. Right. And so, um, there's definitely opportunities for burnout by the end, but at the end of every night, if I find myself burned out and when you are erring on the side, burnout is like, I would say on the other side of exhaustion, right. When I find myself there, it's one thing to be tired and exhausted, but when you find yourself on the other side and we're now we're going into anger and it's kind of being directed at your spouse, to me, that's a red flag within me. And for anybody else, I would say that's a red flag, something to pay attention to, right? As soon as it pops in your head, it's pay attention to that. And I need to ask myself what's going on there. And for me, I have to look back on my day and I have to go, okay, what choices did I make today that just, you know, I did the best that I could. I'm not going to beat myself up, but I did the best that I could. But what choices did I make today that contributed to my burnout? Because Matt and his schedule and what he's doing and not doing does not affect my burnout. Yes, I carry the responsibility of being a solo parent, which I would even argue that too, because he has the ability to be involved in parent. Um, if I let him and if we create, opportunities for that. But if I'm that burned out, I've, and every night I reevaluate that. Can I move my workout time to a different time? Do I need to sleep in because I really tried too hard for three days and I haven't given myself a really good chance to sleep? Like what can I adjust in a different way and try something new tomorrow so that I don't end as exhausted as I did today? Kind of goes back to if, man, if I'm trying to spend individualized intentional time with four children every single night, Night, after like six months of that, you are going to burn out, right? So we just tweak and change things. And that doesn't mean we guilt ourselves and suddenly say, I'm not doing a good job parenting. and I'm not a good mom. It's no, you making these changes and taking care of yourself will make you a better mom. Does that make sense? It will make you a better mom. I'll give you this example and then I'll pass it to Matt. Last night was a good example with the HelloFresh thing, okay? Um, it was a great idea, and I was looking forward to this great idea of making dinner. And, and my 16-year-old and I had decided this was going to be our intentional quality time to make this dinner together. And we had all the ingredients. Like, it could not have been more set up for success. But I let, let my son, I was trying to make the um, empathic decision for my 16 year old to let him go take a break for a little while. We got home from school a little bit late and I let him take a break for too long. Maybe I needed that break too, but we didn't start dinner until it was too late. We started dinner and making dinner so late and dinner started taking longer to pull together than I thought. And so by the time we were getting to seven and seven 30 to eat this dinner, we were so hungry. We were all bickering and snapping at each other. And I was exhausted and starting to get frustrated and the dinner was great. And I was so glad we had it, but did we really have a good time together? Right. Did it really meet that intention that I was trying so hard to make it? And so I had to go to bed at the end of the night and go, okay, 
lesson learned, I'm not going to wait that long. Like if I have to start at five o'clock or 4.30 even, if I were gonna do that again, I'm gonna start earlier and it's gonna make for a much better night. So those were choices that I figured out that like I can adjust what I'm doing to myself and I get to choose whether or not I'm actually going to burn out or not. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org.